My game of the week is not sacrifice. Oh, well, that's a little weird. Um, all right, hey, I'm Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not League of Legends. Ooh, all right. Uh, Owen Faraday from Pocket. Not E.T. the Extraterrestrial for Atari. It's a very good choice, Owen. Uh, so, Owen, I, th- I think you cut out a little bit there, just to, to, to specify in case folks missed that. Uh, you are from a site called Pocket Tactics, and you are also in the UK. So this is our first, I think, transatlantic recording. So apologies if we have any bandwidth issues. Oh, no, we had, uh, we had, we had Gardner. Oh, we have had, yeah, yeah. So Owen, Owen is actually, so Owen, you don't sound like... I felt really special there for... Second. Well, you're our first uh, American overseas, because I, I can tell from listening to you, you don't sound like you're a subject of the Queen of England. No, no. no. Uh, well, I, I suppose I am now, but I wasn't originally, no. So what happened that you ended up in London? I, um, you know, believe it or not, always a, a video games blogger. Um, but I used to work in, in public relations, and I had a job in New York. I got moved over to London. I got, I got the option to move over to London. I took it, and that was years ago now, and I just I stuck around. Oh. Uh, was it hard to, to learn the language? Uh, it was. I'm still learning the language, as a matter of fact. It's a, it's a perennial education. Every once in a while, I, even, you know, I haven't been here for several years now. I, I still hear stuff that I I have no idea what people are saying sometimes. All right, Owen, I'm going to quiz you. I'm going to, this, this will help you with your English, okay? When, okay. Uh, where do you keep the jack to change a flat tire in your car? Uh, oh, ah, well, you keep that in the boot of your car. Yeah. Very good. Okay, here's another one. Uh, what do you call the thing at the end of a pencil where if you make a mistake, you flip the pencil around and, <laughs> uh, and, and, cha- and undo your mistake? What do you call that? That, that is called a rubber. <laughs> Which can lead to some interesting conversations if you call it that in the States. Okay, uh, here's one more for you. Uh, who is uh, your, well, I guess I was going to, who is the most important person in the world? I don't, I don't know what you're going to do with that. Yeah, the most important person I mean, in the world. I mean, surely the most important person in the world is Oprah, right? Hmm. Yeah, you're going to need some adjusting. I think that you're supposed to say Queen of England. Oh, oh, the Queen of England. Oh, right. Yes, no. Well, two out of three ain't bad, Tom. That's right. Very good. You're you're well on your way to being an Englishman, Owen. Uh, so, Owen, you are – so I, I just want to say real quick, uh, I really like Pocket Tactics a lot, and I was, I was very glad uh, that you could join us to hang out and, and chat today. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, what Pocket Tactics is and how it came to be. Okay. Um, thanks for saying that. By the way, I'm still I'm still new enough at this that when people say they like the site, it kind of it sort of blows me away a little bit. Um, especially, I mean, Tom, not not to get all weird, but dude, you're great. I've been reading you for a long, long, long time. Like I read Fidget while Fidget was a thing, and 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 uh, when you were writing reviews for like Game Shark and stuff. I mean, I've been reading you for a long time. So it's awesome to be 
doing the show. And, and to hear you say that you like the site, that's pretty cool. Well, then real quick, let me, before you then tell us a bit about Pocket Tactics, I just want to tell you then why I like it, because there are plenty of people who I think do, like, just, just coverage out there and will routinely update stuff. What I like about what you do on, on Pocket Tactics and what I've always felt is an important way to, to write about things, when I go to Pocket Tactics, I have a very clear sense of your voice. Uh, I don't feel like I'm just reading someone who's just sort of passing along news, although you do a lot of that. I have a sense of, oh, I'm going to go see what Owen has to say today. Um, That's so awesome. Yeah, so I really like that you bring it. So tell us briefly what it is you do over there and how you started it. Right. So this is a site that covers, um, I I call it iOS and and Android games for grownups. Um, Why I started, I started in April of last year, and it's, it's, it's taken off reasonably well. I mean, we're not in danger of of putting touch arcade out of business anytime soon or anything like that but, but you know the site's it, it's reasonably popular i guess um what i wanted to do with it i mean I, I i'm i'm a little north of 30 like i think probably a lot of the guys that post on quarter to three uh like like you guys are and and, and, and tom i know this goes for you i a lot of my gaming has gone from consoles and pc to mobile device and i was a guy with you know a commute to work back and forth every day on the subway or on the tube and i was playing most of my games on on an ipad or on an iphone and um it it seemed like gaming media hadn't really caught up my the way i was consuming games Mm -hmm. and there's no shortage of sites that like you said that that do mobile gaming news but I, I didn't feel like any of them were sort of writing for my level. I guess I, I, I guess maybe that sounds a little, a little condescending. But like you know, I, I don't want to knock Tuckhead or Slide to Play or any of those guys. Those are great sites, and I read them literally two or three times a day. But they seem to have a very casual gaming sort of bent, and I had come from, uh, you know, uh, what they annoyingly call a core gaming background these days and and there was nobody writing about those games even though they were emerging in a big way on mobile and that's what i wanted to do i wanted to make a site that wrote hardcore gaming experiences on mobile devices i I get the sense that a lot of folks who do ios coverage are in a way uh victims of the platform in that there's just so much just like casual little throwaway fly-by-night kind of things and I feel like a lot of folks who want to do that kind of coverage don't necessarily feel like they have the luxury of ignoring most of the stuff that comes out on the platform. And it seems like you make no bones about that. Uh, like it, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the way you decide what to cover uh, is whether or not it's interesting to you. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, and, and, and I think you're absolutely right. If you have a touch arcade size or an IGN of, of mobile games where, you know, you are the number one destination for 50% of the gaming public. Yeah. You can't ignore that stuff, but I don't think I was ever, and I'm, I think I'm still not too concerned about how big the site is. That covers thing to me. And as a result, that's, that's what you see on pocket tactics. And if it appeals to me, it's on the site. Feel to me, it's not on the site. 
<laughs> though, though to be to be sure, I, I you know I don't want to be like a, a tyrant over it. I mean that's why I started adding new writers uh, at the end of the year last year, and these guys are writing about occasionally stuff that I could I can't give a toss about. But it sort of fits in with the voice of the site. Works as part of the umbrella of what we are. Uh, I just want to say you just now sounded very English when you talked about uh, giving a toss about something. <laughs> oh Jesus! See, I've I've been here for years. I can't help it, man. Well, like I said, tomato the other day. It just you know. What are you, wow. What are you gonna do? That's yeah, pretty extreme. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's it's tough. Now, do you ever feel uh, kind of limited by this niche that you've carved for yourself? Because I know from reading that you, uh, like, you have a background, you have a much wider background than, than just gaming. And every now and then I'll be reading something over there, and you'll you'll reference, like, Kerbal Space Program. And, and I'll be like, yeah. hey, how, how does he know about that? That's a PC game. Or, <laughs> or, you'll, or you'll talk about playing Game of Thrones, uh, you know, the board game. And I'll be like, that's not on the iPhone. Uh, <laughs> do, do you ever feel hemmed in by uh, by ios and android stuff i mean i'm sure i would have if i had started the site two years ago or three years ago but the site i I was in the right place at the right time i think in starting pocket tactics if only because we're in the middle of this huge explosion of you know again i'm going to sound snooty here without intending to but proper games like board game adaptations are coming out um war games like battle of the bulge are coming out we're going to see Slytherin releasing Panzer Corps this year, hopefully. I mean, there's two years ago, if, if you if you had asked me what my most played iPhone game was, I would have told you Doodle Jump. You know, that that was just the nature of, of, of the market at the time. But, you know, last year, my most played game was Ascension, without question. Mm-hmm. I, that, that's kind of the way, not the whole market. There's always going to be Doodle Jump, of course, but a significant minority of um of the games on the on the app store are going to be aimed at hardcore gamers and and i think part of that population is aging out of consoles and and to an extent aging out of pcs because they they mostly because they don't have time right now now let me ask you so since you have kind of decided that your coverage is going to be about ios and android stuff uh what would you say if someone came to you and said uh hey i've got a you know, a PS Vita, or I've, I've got a, a Nintendo 3DS, why do I need to care about uh, iOS or, or Android stuff? Um, I mean, I think I think what I would really say is good for you, pal, but I, I, to, to, to get to what you're actually asking, um, I think the reason... <laughs> I think the reason to... I mean, the reason to care is that it seems to me that the most exciting independent developers right now are... Are developing for iOS. There's, and, and I try to be super charitable about Android, and, and I'm constantly sort of struggling to, to give Android an even shake in in what we cover. But like iOS is it. There's oh, yeah. so much Android. fascinating stuff. Android's it's, I mean, good Jason, hardware. You heard that? No, oh, yeah, absolutely. Android's good hardware. It's just terrible, terrible uh, marketplace. Absolutely terrible marketplace. Yeah, uh, I mean, I talk to Android devs a lot. And, and people sort of straddle both sides of the fence, and they tell me that what keeps them from investing more heavily into Android is it's hard to be discovered on that app store. There's huge piracy problems, and you know having to play test for a billion different devices. But but Tom, to get to get back to your your big question, um, yeah, I, I I can't tell you the last time. And like you said, you know I've got 
I've still got a gaming PC. I've got an Xbox and a PlayStation sitting over there. I mean, I'm not totally divorced from the rest of the gaming universe. But when I, you know, I, I, I can't think of a, of a Vita game that I've wanted to play since that thing launched. I can't think of a 3DS title. Okay, well, maybe uh, Jason McMaster and I can help you with that before the podcast <laughs> is over. Yeah, there's a couple. <laughs> did, uh, did, did that Julian Gollop Ghost Recon game, that was 3DS, right? That was a 3DS game, now that you mention it. Yeah. There you go. There's one. I wish I had played that. Oh, oh, and you're so behind the times. No, McMaster and I will have a thing or two to say about that in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, so uh, you, you did one of the tabs on, on Pocket ta- Tactics, uh, and this is very smartly placed, I thought, w- uh, takes folks to your picks for the best uh, iOS games of 2012. Actually, is there any Android stuff in there? There's... <laughs> Damn. I mean, there are a few games that are also available for Android, but some of those are iOS exclusives. Okay. I mean, part of that problem is just that there are no Android exclusives. To speak oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I can imagine that must have been a challenge. Yeah. Uh, but but so what I want to specifically ask you about are, are some of your picks for uh, the, the, the things that you singled out as the best iOS games of 2012. Uh, and McMaster, yep. I want you to get in here, too. Let, let's talk about some of these because I know that we've, okay. we've looked at some of them. Uh, so, uh, first of all, uh, how much uh, how heated was the battle for best war game on the iOS in 2012? It was. <laughs> I mean, it was very heated between those two candidates, but those two candidates... What two candidates? There was a second candidate? There was. There was. I mean, believe it or not. There, um, Battle of the Bulge, which just sort of snuck in under the wire, at, uh, came out in the middle of December, was the one that we gave the award to. What's uh, the other the, one? I was not aware that there was an, another meaningful horror game on the on the iOS. The, the runner-up was Battle Academy, which I guess we could debate. Oh. If it's a, a, a war game or not, but I think it is. No, no, you're right. I totally forgot. I haven't even seen that, but I, I know that a lot of, of folks like that. So, all right. So that that was it was a heated debate. It was a heated competition between two contestants. It was basically like the American presidential election. Uh, there was right, only, exactly. only there two was no, There was no Ross Perot or Ron Paul in right, uh, right. the war game category. Uh, so I actually I thought it was a little odd to even uh, give that a category. Like I, I don't even think of in a way I look at Battle of the Bulge and I know it's a war game, but it has so much uh, trans war gaming appeal. Like it's so streamlined and, and simple and more of this uh, accessible strategy game to it uh, that I kind of hate to even call it a war game because I think it would scare people off. See, you you say that, and I would say that too, in almost the exact same word. Well, it, you said some cooler words than I would have said. But um, if you saw a slide to play's review of Battle of the Bulge today, they basically said they gave it a two out of four. They said it was inaccessible and boring, and only for super hardcore war gamers. Uh-huh. My jaw hit the floor when I read that. I mean, maybe we're just in our own little information bubble because we are, you know prop strategy gamers, and we think Battle of the Bulge is super accessible, like McDonald's-style strategy, but maybe it's not. Well, you know, I do feel that there is a... uh, I hesitate to call it a learning curve, because it's not so much learning as giving the design time to emerge. You know, as you play it, yeah. when you're first sitting down with it, your your immediate reaction is, what, what do I care about where the, the 10th armored division goes? I, you know, I don't, what are these numbers on these chits? This is, this, you know, this is totally nerdy, beardy man kind of stuff. I have no desire to fiddle with this. But I think if you, if you really give yourself time with it, 
and, and a really cool design emerges uh, eventually. And, and this yeah. this beautiful chess-like simplicity kind of bubbles up, especially as you, as you play it a few times. Um, yeah, and especially in the longer scenario. Yeah, oh, I, I think the shorter scenario is a waste of time, uh, basically. It's basically a tutorial. I didn't, think he, I didn't think you liked Battle of the Bulge, Tom. Uh, what, what was I thinking of? Didn't we talk well, about no, right. this the other week? Yes, when when we first talked about it, we had another fella, we had a guest on the uh, podcast, Owen, uh, a fella named Chris Hornbossel, who who writes for Quarter to Three yeah. Times, uh, and he picked it as Game of the Week, and it was after I'd only had a little time with it, and I was kind of making fun of him, and I was saying, oh, you picked a puzzle, a historical <laughs> puzzle war game, uh, and at that point, I, I wasn't, you know, I could sort of respect it, but I hadn't spent a lot of time with it, and it hadn't really gotten its hooks into me, uh, so... Maybe that that review that you're talking about was written from that sort of earlier perspective before you really give it a chance to breathe and, and emerge. Yeah, um, maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. But McMaster, I've totally come around. I love this thing to death. Like part of my morning ritual uh, is to sit down with a, a, my my first cup of coffee and look over my turns for the night. And I'll sit there and I'll look at a turn and I'll puzzle out: Should I move these guys here? Or should I do this? And and I'll just kind of just admire the this like little it's like a, it's like looking at a chess puzzle and i don't mean that to denigrate it or to, to say it's it's simplified or anything it's it, it it's this cool challenge this little tactical challenge to look at the map in any given state and think about you know what am i going to do now uh so so here here then owen is what i then wonder about uh so you have a separate category for uh I basically I I don't like summoner wars at all, and and you obviously were very I, I, fond of it. I know you do. Actually, I I remember uh, when summoner wars came out. I, I remember you had a uh, reading QT three. I remember you had a, a distaste for it, and you preferred ascension in a big way. Uh, so so tell us what made summoner wars. It, it got a couple of it, it carried away a couple of categories for you guys. What made that work for you so well? Yeah, well, I mean, we gave it uh, the card-slash-board game of the year, which in hindsight probably should have been board-slash-card game of the year. Um, we gave it multiplayer game of the year, and it, it was my editor's choice. And uh, that, I mean, really, a lot of what you just said about Battle of the Bulge, I would ah. like to go back about Summoner Wars. Sure. I mean, th- it is a game that lends itself to so many different iterations of tactical problems. Um you can fire up that app, and in a year that was full, I mean, just chock full of asynchronous multiplayer games on iOS, where it was really kind of the new vogue to have a turn-based async game, a lot of their down, a lot of the failings of those games was that they didn't give you enough to do on your turn. So, Summoner Wars, when it came out, gave you this nice big meaty turn every time it was your turn uh, to to play the game. Nice puzzle to solve. Uh, 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 you had a known quantity uh, of resources because you had picked that deck that you were taking into the fight with you. And it just seemed like a really elegant game, and it was it was backed up by uh, Playdex, the the the, the uh, San Diego based outfit that developed it. I mean, Playdex is so polished and so smooth. They are. You know, they're the blizzard of iOS games. Uh, they take their time and they make really, really high quality stuff. And so for me, the combination of the build quality of the game and the fact that it was different every time I played it and, and presented me with interesting choices every time I fired it up, I, I thought it was unbeatable. See, McMaster, I hear Owen talking like that and it makes me think we should play that again. No, not at all. <laughs> 
Uh, it's Sorry. like, you know, I, and I played a lot of it. It's not just like dismissive. I just, oh, God, after a while, I, I just got tired of the dice rolls. It's like a, a basic game mechanic that I don't like. So. No, I, I hear you on that. I mean, that's, it, it's hard to inject, you know, randomness into a game like that without resorting to dice, I guess. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let's talk about another one uh, that there are two on there that I had heard maybe the names of but knew nothing about. So real briefly, Owen, sell us on uh, Organ Trail and God of Blades. Oh wow, man! Which one do I pick first? The, I, I love both of those games. Um, yeah, God of Blades was was the action game of the year. That was such, and, and I'm this is gonna sound pretentious and i'm going to use a word that gamers everywhere cringe when it comes up in reference to games but boy that game was art Ooh, i just cringe i just <laughs> I winced and i cringe oh yeah you just hit a tom sore spot we, we hit that last week a little bit too well look i have no intention it's not my intent to unearth that argument but god of blades is just a beautiful thing it is and and, and it's the full package it's visually really nice to look at it has an incredible score uh and sound and sound design um it's it's sort of the psychedelic uh, the, the inspiration that the that the creators cite all the time is that they were trying to recreate a world that you saw from like 1960s and 70s fantasy novel covers you know like pulp like boris vallejo type paintings and that's the inspiration they took into the game, and it really—I mean—it really shows. I mean, if you're if you're a nerd of a certain age, like I am, and you grew up reading, you know, pulp paperbacks of uh, of you know Isaac Asimov or, or Bradbury or or uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, that it just speaks to you. You pick it up. I mean, I, I think I might have said this in my review, but you pick it up and you're like, this is a game that was made by people like me, and just feels like you're going home when you play. It's awesome. I, you know what? I'm sold. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> now let's see if you can do that with Organ Trail. Organ Trail. Organ Trail is 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 maybe not quite as um, uh, given to to sort of high high um, high art. I guess I'm trying to avoid using that word, but yeah, Organ Trail is more. Uh, it, it, it seems like it's a gag when you start playing it, and it probably it seems like it probably started that way. Well, yeah, it's, it looks like a typo. Like I see that, and I'm like, oh, somebody meant to write about the Oregon Trail port, and they right. that. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you can just sort of imagine that these guys thought that was a pretty hilarious gag, and said, "What if we made a game around this?" and then did it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is sort of a shot-for-shot remake of Oregon Trail, the educational game by Mech that we all played, or at least that I played in like second grade or third grade or whatever. Um, but it sort of takes place in a post-apocalyptic um, zombie-infested America, and you're getting your party of survivors to uh, a safe haven on the West Coast. And I'm, I'm as sick of zombies as the next guy, like really properly sick of zombies. But this game was just really fun, and, and it kind of it went beyond just being a one-joke game where, ha-ha, isn't that funny? It looks just like Oregon Trail, but with zombies. It, it sort of rises above that, and it became really dramatic. Like you got properly invested in the fate of your party, and and when you know one of your four people 
got bit by a zombie and then you had to shoot them yourselves. I mean, it's, you know, it's an event in the game. You actually have to do it. You take the gun, you aim it, and you shoot your buddy that you've named after your best friend from, from college or whatever. Um, it, it actually becomes much more emotionally involving than a sort of one joke game ought to be. So I gave it the RPG of the year because I didn't know what the hell to call it. Is it an RPG? Is it an adventure game? I don't know. But I wanted to uh, do something. Well, that makes me wonder, did you see, uh, and I, I don't recall, uh, did you see Rebuild, uh, which was a sort of a strategy game based on zombies? No, I love Rebuild. The, the only reason Rebuild didn't get any awards is because, if I'm not mistaken, it came out in 2011. Oh, you know what? Good point. Uh, I think it, it was on, it was a Flash game in 2011. I think it came out on the iOS last year. I could be wrong about that, though. Um, I, I, I could have been too but no i love rebuild rebuild was fantastic i actually one of the very first interviews i did on the site was with sarah northway the, the developer of that game you know what now i'm gonna i oh and i hope it didn't come out in 2011 because i put it on my list of top 10 games of 2012 so this, <laughs> did you really yeah this is a oh. potential uh this is a huge misstep if uh <laughs> let's, I'm, I'm not gonna look I'm, it up now let's pretend games no tom way. played in 20 uh 2012 <laughs> Uh, okay, let's talk about another one on your list that uh, I have played, and uh, let's 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 check around the room real quick. McMaster, have you played on the iOS the version that they have of uh, of Borderlands? Uh, no. <laughs> McMaster, congratulations! I think you yeah. have fared the best of all the people on this podcast. Uh, oh, and you you gave it an award. Tell us about Borderlands on the iOS. Yeah, Borderlands was our runner-up disappointment of the year. Um, that that game, I, I mean, I, I mean, Tom, I don't, I don't remember if you wrote anything in the run-up to the release of that about it, but I remember when the first screenshots came out, and this was, if I remember right, this was right around the time or just after the new XCOM had come out, and the initially released screenshots of Borderlands had these little cover glyphs over the troops <laughs> that made you think, holy crap, they've made a turn-based strategy game out of Borderlands. They want to they wanna jump in into the wake of XCOM and sort of get people to buy this game, and they made it a strategy game. And it was even developed by 2K China, which was the outfit that made Civilization Revolutions, which wasn't brilliant, but it was a strategy game, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and 2K, when that game was coming out, were very tight-lipped about... I, I, I asked their PRs a couple of times, point-blank, like, so is this a turn-based game? Is it a strategy game? What, what's the story? And, and they never told me anything. Uh, well, I don't know if told... you remember this, too, Owen. When they, when they announced it, the only coverage that, that, that was available was, like, a very brief uh, announcement on, I think, Entertainment Weekly Online. Oh, Entertainment Weekly, yeah. yeah. No, they the first preview to Entertainment Weekly. That's right. They wanted to make sure that it wasn't like somebody <laughs> who really knew video games who could really ask the meaningful well, questions. Absolutely. I mean, if, if like, the PR people ever tell you or won't tell you about something and it's something that's coming out soon, that, that means it's crap. That's just like yeah. a rule of thumb. I mean, I, I mean, I, I am a strong believer in never attributing to malice what you can attribute to incompetence. So I just figured that these guys didn't know what the hell they were doing. I mean, look, they gave the preview to Entertainment Weekly, right? Um, but, but yeah, no, that that game was that game was incredibly bad. And I actually went, I think, if I remember right, I went on a little rant at the end of my review that why is it that big name publishers can't make a decent game for iOS? Because there really aren't any. I mean, wait a minute. Hold on. I'm trying to think of one. Hold on. I'm sure there's one. Yes. 
Is there? I, 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 I'm... Four iOS? Specifically four, not ported, I assume, because, I mean... I mean, I would, I would even take a port. I think. I mean, I guess, I guess well, Majesty is pretty all right. Final Fantasy Tactics is pretty good if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. But, but Square is just such a joke because everything costs like a thousand dollars. That's that is, and everything's like a one gig download too. Like they don't. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, EA, 2K, you name it. Like they've done. Okay, games. I know. I'm trying to yeah. think. Like EA has done yeah. so many. Like they've put so much production value into the iOS, but with almost no design talent. Like it. it oh. I'm, I'm trying to think of their yeah. Sims thing, and they've done some racing games, and they uh, did City. They did that. Yeah. That, that Mass Effect <laughs> shooter thing was like half-assed. Okay, but it wasn't. It wasn't good. It was. It. It wasn't. I mean, if if, if you had told me sick. that this. No, I mean, it, it's not what you'd expect one of the biggest game publishers on the planet to produce, right? Uh, like, yeah, everybody would have felt differently about that Mass Effect game if it had been a fan project. Sure, yeah. absolutely. But that's, the, but that's the thing, the market doesn't punish them. Because right. the majority of people buying iOS games are totally happy to buy... I mean, look, look, look at... Look at the top selling apps right now, and tell me what you see. And you'll I'd, see. I'd, oh, and I'd rather not. I don't want to look no. at those. I will well, say, okay, one, but I don't even know if it's completely fair to say they're a big developer. They're owned by a big developer. Uh, is Chair doing uh, the Infinity Blade stuff? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, but I wouldn't call them. I wouldn't. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I know they're owned by Epic, though. Now is the only yeah. thing I was thinking. I mean, we're, 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 I think we're probably splitting hairs with that one. I think, yeah, you could probably call Chair a big developer, couldn't you? But uh, I guess of, of the massive publishers uh, that we expect AAA quality console and PC games from, you have no reason to expect them to do anything near that kind of quality on mobile. Right. Go figure. Uh, now, Owen, I'm going to gloss over this next one because I don't know the first thing about uh, about hockey, but uh, Out of the Park was one of your choices. Yes. Uh, then you also picked something that uh, I'm never sure 10,000, 10, 10 million, 100,000. I don't, I don't know how many zeros are in this thing. Uh, what is it called and why did you like it? That, that's called 10 million, and actually, I, I, I did a face-to-face interview with the, with the developer of that game, great guy, Luca Redwood, uh, at the pub. And the first oh, thing awesome. I told him was, please, why, why didn't you put some commas into this freaking name? Well, because, you know, or in England, you guys, don't you you'll use periods instead of those? But, yeah, I mean, throw, put some punctuation right. in there. Right, But, yes, yeah, 10 million was not made with uh, game reviewers in mind, I guess. <laughs> But, but, you know, 10 million, yeah, that was our, our puzzle game of the year. That was a super lo-fi game. Um, the, the, the graphics are the very epitome of developer graphics. Uh, there are two songs in the game, uh, which Redwood told me were bought off of, you know, a royalty-free music library. I mean, it, it is super lo-fi. But what he made was this brilliant sort of synthesis of infinite running games and match three puzzlers like bejeweled put them together in this really satisfying uh compelling package that i probably played as much as i don't know probably as much as battle academy last year 
sunk a lot of time into ten million. It's brilliant. Now you're leaving out. Uh, you're leaving out a third of the design because it's not just uh, match three meets endless runner. There's like some serious RPG stuff going on there. Yeah, no, that's true. And and, and the way he balances out um, the RPG stuff, and, and, and we're we're gonna start getting into the weeds for people who haven't played this game, but. The, the, the sort of alchemy room that you can unlock uh, where you balance out, you know, once you get to a point in the game where you've earned so much of resource X that you can't spend it all, he gives you a way to turn resource X into resource Y, which I thought, I'm, I'm you know, um, I wish I, I wish Skyrim would do that, right? Like you get to a point when you're playing an Elder Scrolls game where you have, you are the 1% and you have hundreds of thousands of gold that you can't spend. Uh, and I thought he, that 10 million had, had made a very elegant solution to that problem. Mm-hmm. That a lot of RPGs don't. Yeah. Uh, and that, that too points for me, it points to the kind of almost unfettered creativity you find on the iOS that somebody can yeah. think I'm going to make an RPG and a resource management game and an endless runner and a match three. Uh, it's just, that's one of those ideas that's so crazy it just might work, and you would only find that kind of thing on the iOS. I love that. Um, well, and not to keep harping on this point, but that's exactly why the big publishers fail on iOS, because that's a platform that, just like you said, Tom, it's a platform that's typified by people who take risks, and the big publishers just keep making Need for Speed and shooters and don't take risks right. on, on iOS at all. Right. Uh, Owen, how do you feel about Game Center? Um, I feel pretty good about it, I guess. I like Game Center. Um, how do you feel about Game Center? <laughs> well, I ask because I love Game Center. I, uh, uh, McMaster, I, I presume you do too. You and I both love yep. like that sort of social, meta, front-end stuff. Uh, aren't you a big fan of that, McMaster? Yeah, actually quite a bit. Um yeah, no, I, I see your name on it all the time and all the embarrassments I have, but you know, whatever. I got a few for you, too. Well, the thing is, like, I, I like that um, it it makes it really easy, like, the way that multiplayer games plug into it, it, it makes it relatively easy. Like, if I want to play Ascension, I can play with strangers, but I have at my fingertips a list of people I know, and it sorts them by who has the game. So it makes it really easy for me to to keep up, to keep playing multiplayer games with folks I know rather than strangers. Uh, That's one aspect I really like, and I really enjoy the way they fold achievements and challenges and leaderboards uh, into it. Um, That's a big draw, that kind of stuff for me. Uh, And I I ask, just because I want to bring up, I don't know if you guys know this, um, when you get achievements on Game Center, uh, it's sort of like a a gamer score on on Xbox Live. Uh, It gives you points. So I just wanted to point out. Uh-oh. Oh God! That, oh look on Game Center. Oh, I'm just now noticing I have nine thousand and forty-four points. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's see what yeah. Owen has here. Oh, Owen has four thousand eight hundred and seventy-one points. Oh. oh God, less than half. <laughs> I'm oh, sure look. I do worse. I'm let's, sure I do worse. Let's look at. Oh, McMaster has seven points. <laughs> What? <laughs> no, McMaster, you're at 5,266, oh, oh. so don't feel bad. Okay, good. Okay, uh, good, good. So I just I, don't notice that, huh? That's interesting. That hadn't even occurred to me. Huh. Well, uh, that's because uh, I've been playing on my uh, iPod 360 debug, and all of my... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> That's right. Apple actually sent me the iPad 12. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's actually planted I, in my head, so that's why it's not connected to Game nice. Center. Very nice. It changes my name to whoever's the top of the uh, Bug Princess 2 leaderboards. <laughs> uh, also, I just want to say briefly, uh, if if you're listening and you're on my uh, Game Center friends list, and you're the one who keeps sending me challenges to build a successful sorority house in campus life, <laughs> please stop sending me those challenges. I get those, too. <laughs> Number one, that might be not might not be that guy's fault. It could be the apps doing it without his permission. Number two, I think that's a pretty worthy challenge. Oh, I, well, that's okay. That's, you know what? That combines architecture and I, so right. I emotional intelligence. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah, pretty well, good. What's up with you uh, hating on the campus life, Tom? All right, so let's yeah. see. Oh, and then I will put Campus Life above Oregon Trail and God of Blades, and I will be sure Games Owen recommends. Good. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. We'll put a poll so, quote somewhere. I have to remind you, our, our libel laws in the U.K. are very, <laughs> very liberal. Just saying. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, let's transition now to some uh, news of the week. It's actually been a pretty newsworthy week, and then let's talk about games of the week, and Owen can tell us, I'm sure, about whatever he's picked as his iPhone game of the week that he's playing, because I doubt you're uh, away from that much. We'll find out. Uh, but first, let's talk some news of the week. Uh, Jason T. McMaster, what have you chosen as your news of the week this week? My news of the week is the announcement of the Steam box at CES. I mean, it's something we knew was coming, but uh, they've kind of put a face on it uh, at this point. And then there's also been a few interviews with uh, Gabe uh, Newell, and uh, so there's a little bit more fleshing out. So it's a bit curious. You know, it's a a story that started to break, at least for me, on uh, Neo Gaming Age. and it just came out that the the Steam box would be in 2013. Uh, it would use Linux, uh, and it would. Let's see. There's just a few other things. Uh, however, and then at CES, they they started showing off uh, actual models of it, uh, and it's like a very small uh, PC developed by uh, XI3, I believe is the name of the company, mm-hmm. and. Um, they, uh, it has like several uh, or tons of ports on it, and uh, you know it, it was all just kind of vague at first. They said it was similar in specs to their like thousand dollar computer, the one they were showing. But uh, Gabe Newell came out today and said that he's gonna. They're, they're planning on doing trying to do several levels. Their initial level they'd like to be free, but they're gonna start it at ninety nine dollars, and it's some sort of streaming kind of device. Then their mid range level looks like uh, something like a like a $300 price point. And then, of course, above that, you can do whatever you want. Uh, and the, the whole point is that you don't, you know, if you buy one of these PCs, you don't have to use the Valve Linux. You can use Windows for whatever you want as well. Uh, they're not going to lock it down at all. They're just trying to make a more accessible entry, I believe, for people into PC gaming or television hookups. So um, kind of interesting see what's going to happen. Uh, I think the use of Linux, a lot of people are going nuts about it, but I, I think the use of Linux is very clever. I think that uh, Valve wouldn't do it if they didn't think it would work. Mm-hmm. You know, and, that, and that's kind of like what I see all these people arguing and like, you know, all this and that, but they're not a stupid company. You know, no, they're not going to come out 
yeah, they're not going to come out and go like, oh yeah, well we're just going to give this one a shot without any thought. You know, it's, it, it's not like it's running OS two warp or something, right? <laughs> So, like, you know, one of the things is they've hinted around at maybe making a tool that changes, that can take DirectX and put it into OpenGL, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, if they if they roll that out for publishers, uh, that might, I mean, that might be enough of an incentive to support that basic version of it. And the fact you can put Windows on it and just use Big Picture anyway kind of negates a lot of the argument. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so a lot of things coming. Strange. I'd be surprised if Gabe didn't have a plan for you to be able to take your entire Steam library, whatever the hell is in there, and just run it right from the get-go on a Steam oh, box. Yeah. I'd, I'd be pretty See, surprised. That's what I was saying. That's what I keep thinking, too. I'm wondering, are they going to do some sort of wrapper? Is there going to be like some sort of crazy like uh, something involved? Uh Maybe they'll have some sort of like streaming service, like they tried with OnLive or whatever, uh, if for games that are not compatible immediately. Who knows? But uh, I, I really would like to. I really, I, I'm with you on that one. Uh, those guys are, they enjoy their their huge hammer swinging kind of surprises where it's like, Zoo. and it's available now, and it works on everything. <laughs> you know. So well, and uh, part yeah. part of the Steam part of the Steam value proposition is that huge library of games you've been building up over the years, right? Like, I mean, people talk about how, you know, when you buy uh, an Android phone or, or an iOS device, you're kind of locked into that ecosystem because you're buying all those apps for it. We've all been locked into the Steam ecosystem for years, right? You've got a huge backlog of games, and and Gabe knows that. Valve knows that. So they want you to be able to play those right from the get-go because that's that's part of what keeps you part of the Valve ecosystem, right? Yeah, yeah, and that on top of the fact that, you know, they, they just have, like, such a great delivery system for content. Yeah, that, no, uh, no, 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 absolutely so, right. So well-tested and uh, absolutely uh, just a really good retail system. So they, they can do... Uh, they have all the infrastructure. They just got to put it together. I mean, this is kind of the easy part, honestly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you could see some of that that you're you're talking about, Owen, where they're relying on people to to you know sort of ride their Steam library into this. You could see some of that same trend uh, in what I picked for my news of the week, which was Nvidia's announcement of something called the Shield. Uh, and in talking oh, about the Shield, they definitely wanted to point out, hey, your Steam games, you know, <laughs> will yep. support that. Uh, that was the biggest like news point of that thing. I mean, I heard. Uh, NVIDIA handheld Steam library. Yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah, like that. there's definitely a sense that they were uh, clutching at coattails uh, there. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, we so, got one, too. Uh, so, so briefly, this was uh, NVIDIA's entry into uh, the handheld market, I guess. Uh, the Shield is, when you look at it, it's a gamepad controller that has a little flip-up 5-inch touchscreen. Uh, it runs Android. Um, but as near as I can tell, it seems like the idea is that it will stream games off of your PC, assuming that your PC is running uh, one of NVIDIA's uh, recent video cards, so that you can sit anywhere in your house uh, and play PC games with this little flip-up screen. You can also attach it to your TV, of course, but I think their main selling point is you know, to appeal to, to folks who have iPads or whatever and carry those around the house or play them in bed, that now you can do your PC games. Um, it's called The Shield. There's no price point 
announced, which is a pretty conspicuous price point in and of itself. It's uh, so cheap, they didn't want to embarrass everyone else, that's why. <laughs> well, I think it was definitely, if if they were going to go for like an under $200 or $199 thing, I think they definitely... They definitely would have said something at this point. So the fact that they're not saying and that it's something they're planning to release, I think this spring, uh, implies that this is going to be, you know, a two ninety nine, two, you know, three forty nine. This is going to be like an expensive kind of a deal. Uh, and uh, it's yeah. So uh, there you go. So the Nvidia Shield. Uh, oh, and I know you actually talked to some developers about this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you know, uh, um, I think this is two two days ago now, I guess, on, on Pocket Tactics. It should should be still on the front page. I went and got some, you know, just talked to a few iOS developers because I had done a, um, a feature for Wired earlier this year where I talked to iOS devs and said, why aren't you guys making content for Android? You know, it's a perfectly vi- – it's the world's biggest smartphone ecosystem. Why don't you do that? And, um, you know – they had a bunch of different objections for, for making Android content, but one of them was was just there's there is isn't really an exciting platform. So I went to folks this week and I said, "How about the Shield? Does the Shield get you excited?" And basically nobody said yes. <laughs> I, I I I don't know who's supposed to buy the Shield, right? It, it's it's big and bulky and yeah, it streams stuff to your TV, but Valve has big stuff or uh, what do they call it? Big box? Big picture? Big, picture. big screen? Big big picture? Big picture. Yeah. Right, they have that. So it's pretty that, awesome too. I've, I've been using it for a couple of weeks now. I've been really liking it. So while you're in the home, I guess I, if you've got and and who if you've got Valve or if you've got Steam hooked up to your TV, I'm willing to bet that there's a pretty big Venn diagram overlap between those guys and the guys that own wire, uh, wireless 360 controllers, right? So if you own a 360 controller and you've got Steam on your TV. You don't. You don't need this Nvidia thing. And if you want to play Android games, gosh, there's a lot, but be- a lot better devices <laughs> to play Android games, right? So, so a lot cheaper, might I add, and available now for playing Android games. Way cheaper. So yeah, I mean, let, let's just take it for, Yeah, take it for granted for a second. There's a lot of Android games you want to play. I would dispute that, but let's take that for granted. Uh, Why would you want to do that on this big thing that looks like a Game Gear that had sex with a virtual boy? Like, it's weird. Oh, oh, and please tell me you used that somewhere. That's nice. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm writing it down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It really does look funny. I mean, it looks like a prototype that they haven't put through the the ergonomics slash aesthetics lab yet. Like, here's here's the engineers just rigged this together. We're not going to show it to anyone yet. This is just a test thing, uh, you know, like a dev kit almost. Uh, you know, that, that funny flip-up thing. It really does look like somebody stuck two parts together that don't belong together. Yeah. Uh, I mean, don't ask the company that has spent their entire existence making stuff that goes inside the PC case <laughs> to make something you hold yeah. outside the PC case, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like, as a guy who's played a fair number of games on a Wii U, which is weird having that screen and then having the two thumbsticks on either side of the screen, like, spread way apart, I at least like how, on the shield, the two thumbsticks are really close together. Uh, so I, I appreciate that. But overall, I, I, I just look at it and I think, oh, it's, uh, it's Invi- this is going to be NVIDIA's Engage. Yeah, oh, jeez, yeah. That's, yeah. that's harsh, but that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah, if it wasn't for the if it wasn't for the uh, the Qualcomm keynote yesterday, that probably would have been the most laughable thing to come out of CES. So, what was the uh, what was the Qualcomm keynote? Yeah, I missed that. 
Oh, really? You guys haven't seen that yet. So the no. uh, the keynote this year, which is usually, at least in the last few years, is done by Microsoft and Steve Ballmer, right? So the keynote this year was done yeah. by Qualcomm because, and I'm not even going to pretend that I'm really well-informed about what Qualcomm's product lineup is, but I guess they're releasing some new mobile CPUs, that I think. But so they had this totally bizarre keynote that, you know, it looks like, it looks like somebody hired your weird uncle to do a vaudeville show, like, <laughs> like oh, young hip. Oh no, you can, you can, I'll, I'll send you a link, but, um, <laughs> you know, like, like hip teenage actors in their mid twenties playing hip teenagers came out <laughs> and explained how they were the born mobile generation and how hip their lives were. It was just really painful to watch. Big Bird came out at one point. Oh, there was no. a, there, there was a Maroon 5 concert. Like, I'm telling you, like, it, it could oh. not have been more cringe-tacular. You have to see it. There, there, somebody made a supercut. I think it was The Verge. Somebody made a supercut of, like, the most wincingly bad moments of the Qualcomm uh, CES keynote. It's only a, a couple of minutes long, but it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, uh, oh, and I can't imagine you possibly have anything more newsworthy than that, then. <laughs> I guess I, I mean, I wanted to talk about the new XCOM DLC, but we could leave it at that. No, I want to hear about the new XCOM DLC. I, I, assuming that it's better than the old XCOM DLC, what do they have for us this time? Well, you I mean, the, new X- the new XCOM DLC, which is called Second Wave, um, is, is exactly what the first XCOM DLC, I think we were all expecting to get. It, it, instead of, you know, adding a bunch of stuff that you're forced to do, and that doesn't add to the sort of dynamic emergent you're telling your own XCOM story experience like the first DLC did. This one adds more randomness to the game. So um, it gives you options to have... Well, actually, tell me if you noticed this. Did you notice that all of your soldiers have the same stats when they start out? They do, don't they? They do. Yeah. Which is quite different from the original game. So this one gives you an option to have rookies that are different and that level up differently. And um, you know, um, now I don't know. One of the things that uh, was not supported in the game, but that folks who were poking around found hooks for, was this option to to start a new campaign. That's, That's it. That's what it is. So this so is th- this is that officially now supported yeah. in the game. Yeah, because I think the mod that the folks released that uh, took advantage of those hooks they found, not everything worked. So right. this is an official version of that where everything works, and uh, it's got Jake Solomon's blessing in the whole nine yards, and it's great. I, I was I've been playing it for the last couple of days, and it, oh. and it makes the game really fun. Wait a minute, it's out. Yeah. It's out. I oh, think it came out a couple of days ago. Yeah, it came out on Monday, I think. Okay, yeah. hold, why, why was I, why did no one tell me about that? Both of you, Owen McMaster, you're fired. I the mean, Tom Chick, you're the Tom Chick. Yeah, I don't, I, 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 just, I shouldn't have to tell Tom Chick anything about PC games. Oh, you wrote for Sizzle Fizzle for Rizzle. <laughs> As you were describing this, Owen, I thought it was something that they had announced that would maybe be out in a month or so. No, <laughs> it's gotta, here. All right, I got to end this podcast because I'm going to go play some XCOM. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, and tell me about how you're playing. So, have you? Can you just in- enable whichever ones you want? Uh, and if so, how are you? You said you've been playing with it a little bit. Uh, what have you been doing with it? 
Well, yeah, you can enable whichever ones you want. It's a little bit, it, it takes the, the new game setup and it makes it a little more like setting up a new game of Civilization, where there's all these little modular toggles you can turn on and off. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I, I actually, I did an interview with Jake Solomon uh, for a Eurogamer feature a couple of, a couple of months ago now. And I have huge respect for that guy. I think he actually made a pretty awesome game. But having beat it two or three times now, I wanted something that was a little more like that original XCOM experience. So I, I just went through and ticked all the options that I thought made it a little more um, micro-pros and a little less Firaxis. So I've got it so my, my rookies have random stats and wounds degrade um, the ability of a soldier to, to shoot and move. Um, and I made... Uh, I made psi powers more rare, and so it's all this stuff. I mean, it's really it, it, it is for the super grognardy guy who's beaten the game a couple of times and loves XCOM. I guess mm-hmm. this is not, and, and I think that's why they made it free, right? Because there's really no point in trying to sell this Wait, to uh, the general it, it public. Has, it's, free? it's free. What what are you burying the lead for? I was I was sure that this is something <laughs> I was going to pay two ninety nine for. Holy you crap! Have it. That's probably it's probably already updated onto your Steam or whatever. So. Yeah. If you've started Steam this week, you have it already, Tom. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Owen wins the uh, News of the Week contest this week. That's excellent news. Oh, hey. I'm, I'm happy to be. I mean, I can tell you other news you might not know, like Princess Diana is dead, and there's two Koreas now. Wait All a minute. What? Of, no I way. Know. DHQ's <laughs> auctioning everything off piecemeal. That's a bummer. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. You guys want to so, go in together, pick up, like, Darksiders or Saints Row. <laughs> I feel like we could probably put together enough money to, to get Darksiders between the three of us. Mm, I think, yeah, I think I'm going to hold out for Company of Heroes. That's the one I would buy. Oh, smart man. Oh, smart shit. man. It just made us look like you made us asses of us, Tom Chick. That's right. Have fun, have fun swinging your little uh, God of War clone around. You know, enjoy that. Harsh. That was harsh. I'm going to be over here working on my... Uh, I'm going to be working on my Panzer Rush. Saints Row, somebody's going to surely pick that one up. I can't imagine that. I'd have to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should get a pool going for Company Heroes. That's it. We'll, uh, yeah. You know what, though? Here's my weird... I think I've said this on the podcast before. The reason that I don't mind if Company of Heroes 2 never comes out is because Company of Heroes 1 is still damn fine. I mean, that is as, as competitive an RTS as you will find. That's It's still- a good game. It, yeah, it, it's as good as if it had come out just just yesterday. I, I think. Yeah, it it really is, and I think like as much as I may have like dicked around with the Dawn of War games or whatever, they're nothing compared to it's just company heroes and strategy and style. You know, I, tell you, I, I don't play a lot of RTS games, but those are the only two RTSs that I've really enjoyed in the last few years. The the relic ones, Company of Heroes and, and Dawn of War. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I I've. I played the hell out of both of them. I really enjoyed them. And, and the new Dawn. I played a lot, too. I, I guess the big thing for me is just, like, the, the feel of, like, an RTS that Company of Heroes has over Dawn of War. Because, I don't know, Dawn of War is, like, multiplayer other than... Uh, I enjoy the, like, four-player co-op stuff, but, like, the multiplayer, again, on a map is just kind of weak right. feeling. See, but uh, I'm one of those guys that only plays RTS as single-player. Oh, in that Which, case, oh, and you're missing out. Yeah, you're. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. You, you won't know what we're, talk, what we're talking about then, because like, like Dawn of War's multiplayer is not like a single player. 
Well, I mean, I, I suck. I suck at multiplayer RTSs. It's true. The I'm secret, down. there's plenty of people like that out there, Owen. You just, you guys need to find each other and stick together and not wade <laughs> into the, just don't wade into the deep end of the pool and you'll be fine. <laughs> See, some, somebody should make an RTS with like a skill cap. Like, once you get too good, it kicks you out of the StarCraft 2. That's right. You have to go play a Blizzard game now. Yeah. Right. I should do that. I would play So, Owen, uh, let me know if you think this would be a good tactic. Uh, let me. I'm going to try this on McMaster. Let me know if you think this will work. So, uh, McMaster, if you like Company of Heroes, if yeah. Company of Heroes was a chess game instead of an RTS, it would be Battle of the Bulge on the iOS. Whoa. That's kind of and that kind of a reach though. I mean, yeah, you know, you don't have to talk to me like I don't know anything about <laughs> war gaming. <laughs> hey, listen, I know who Talonsoft is. All I have to do. Nice, my cred served. All right. Well, speaking of Talonsoft, let's talk some games of the week. Maybe McMaster has picked one of those uh, Battle of Shiloh things or something. Uh, uh, <laughs> McMaster, what is your choice for video game of the week in this early week of uh, of uh, January 2013? What have you picked? Well, you know, I I want to say first that uh, I got a Wii U. Uh, don't tell anybody, uh, oh. but I but I bought one and uh, I have a Zombie U on it. But I haven't played very much of it, so uh, I can't really talk about it that much yet. But I do like the multiplayer; it's pretty neat. Um, but I guess if I had to go for a game of the week, uh, this week it's going to be Sleeping Dogs, uh, which was made back in the early 90s, and um, <laughs> at, at least to, to Tom. Uh, <laughs> anything that wasn't like released in the last two weeks was, might as well have been. <laughs> well, that's not entirely inaccurate, McMaster, because it did have a kind of a storied journey oh. to finally being released. I mean, it was one of those games. Well. It was originally a true crimes game for yeah. for Activision. Uh, it, it got kicked around a fair bit before it finally became Sleeping Dogs, as published by Square Enix. And you know, I read your review. Uh, I don't know why, by God, but I read it and. Uh, <laughs> and you make some fair points, but I do think uh, I think that your experience was probably um, problematic due to the 360 because I'm playing it on Steam. It's like a completely different experience. Uh, oh, so you have to play it in. Uh, oh, my, my head. I, sorry, technical difficulties. My headphones just broke. By the way, this podcast is freaking not sponsored by Turtle Beach. Just junky ass. <laughs> Headphones that break. <laughs> uh, Don't they make sound cards? Uh, Isn't whatever the same they... problem as buying uh, a, a, a game console made by NVIDIA? Yeah, this is why I'm not going to have a shield. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so I'm sitting here like some old 40s uh, radio broadcaster holding everything up to my head. Sorry. Okay. So, sorry, McMaster. Uh, <laughs> sleeping Dogs, uh, you were saying you're playing it on the uh, on Steam, so you therefore yes. have to sit in your office and play it on a computer monitor? No, no. On the big picture, baby. I got the big picture going going crazy. Uh, and I presume you're digging it. It sounds like you're responding pretty favorably yeah. to it. Okay. Favorably. I'm not saying it's like the second coming, but I think... Oh, God, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a thematic thing, but I, I'm really enjoying it. And I understand what you're saying about your <clears throat> comparisons to the Yakuza games, but Yakuza games are, I don't know, they have kind of a different feel to them. Mm -hmm. uh, it, this is more of a 
Sin City, not Sin City, Jesus Christ, Saints Row, <laughs> Saints Row style game than that. But uh, as I mean, you mentioned, of course, I'm not saying oh, you're so wrong, but no, um, the uh, it just kind of it works for me more. But uh, I sure. there are things that I just I really don't like about it as well. Uh, but I think that playing it on the computer has probably, like I said, made me like it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Just because I down, you can download a high resolution texture pack, you don't have the pop out and pop in like you do on the 360. So it seems more like actual kind of like a populated city. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I've been enjoying it. I, the combat is no Batman, uh, Arkham, anything. But uh, <laughs> it, it's uh, <laughs> but it, it's it's not the worst, and uh, I, I enjoy I enjoy the basic Hong Kong. You know, kung fu, undercover cop storyline. It is is very uh very cliche, but uh, I I think I don't I don't think it's fair that you uh, that you you kind of uh, compared it to L.A. Noir unfavorably. <laughs> that seems oh. harsh. <laughs> like, well, I, that's a good like point. A punch below the belt. You know what, Mister? That's <laughs> a good point. No, I, I do want to say, Mister, that's a good point. Uh, L.A. Noir was at least well written. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm not even sure I would give L.A. Noir that. But you know one thing that L.A. Noir did It was did well, well stolen. <laughs> thing that L.A. Noir did well, it, and this is kind of goes back to what McMaster was just saying about Sleeping Dogs, is it made a city that felt alive and real, like it was doing stuff without you when you were... Wait, there. L.A. Noir did? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You don't think? Sometimes, mm. if it, but it's so scripted out. Like, I, I just don't think Ellen. No, that's that's it, what I'm saying. Not like when you were solving the mysteries or anything, but when you were just driving around, it felt vibrant. Well, I I wouldn't go that. I, I get what you're saying, Owen, but for me, it's more that it felt it was a unique location. Like you, you didn't really have that. There were those. Uh, what were those gangster games? Oh, for Pete's sake! What were, there were those like '40s era Godfathery games. Mafia. Mafia. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, you didn't have games with those kind of production values in that setting. So I, I did enjoy that part of L.A. Noir. But but I really where L.A. Noir fell apart for me was in that open world. Let's yeah. explore this city. Let's have activities. Um, so oh. I, when I think of like a vibrant world, I think of one like like Red Dead Redemption or uh, even something like Brutal Legend, where there's all kinds of different activities and weird things happening. Um, so yeah, I wasn't that crazy about the I, I, the open world in in LA Noir just felt pretty weak in comparison to me. See, I I love an open world game as much as the next guy, but I was happy. I was I, I actually thought LA Noir was going to be like a game of the year level game for the first two acts, and I was happy to be led sure. around by the hand and follow the plot. It was only when I and I guess this is a spoiler, but if you haven't played L.A. Noir yet, you're probably never going to, right? That's a good point. For them, uh, yeah. So when you got to that point in the third act, and this is actually where I stopped playing the game entirely. I never finished it. Where they got to the point oh. where, yeah, where every all the mysteries you thought you had solved were actually bullshit. Right, like you had put yeah. these, you'd put the wrong people in prison. You nothing that you'd seen was true. That was that that felt like a cheap trick to me. Like I had gotten really emotionally invested in this story and trying to actually suss out whether or not people were lying, and and ultimately that meant nothing. I would I would I felt say, betrayed by that. Sure, and I would say though, Owen, that that's a facet of noir. 
uh, the, yeah. the, the genre. I would say that's a part of the genre. And also, I, I kind of... Uh, L.A. Noir to me, is one of the few games where I felt that the, the payoff was really worth getting to the ending. Uh, you know, it did a stupid, like, final fight kind of thing. That was that was stupid. But the, the resolution and the, the narrative payoff... Uh, Almost as good as uh, Red Dead Redemption. I felt. I'm trying to remember the payoff. Like I, it didn't do that much for me. I just remember it being a rip off of LA Confidential, smashed into Chinatown really hard. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm arguing from a position of weakness here because I didn't actually finish the thing. Right. But I, 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 I agree. You're right. That is a, a common trope from noir. But that's a common trope from noir that you watch. Right when that happens to Jack Nicholson in Chinatown, awesome. When it happens to you, like I was doing all this stuff. Like, yeah, I'm not personally invested when all of Jack Nicholson's detective work or Sam Spade's detective work goes out the window. I'm invested when it's mine, though. I just spent ten hours of my butt on the couch doing this. That's kind of funny, Owen, because it makes me think. You know, maybe RPG gamers just that that sort of gamer expectation is not ready for certain genres. Uh, <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, so I wish. Oh, go ahead. It, I wish that it had like a little Danny DeVito doing Hush Hush magazine. <laughs> Would have made LA Noir 100 percent better for me. So here, McMaster is my main complaint about Sleeping Dogs. I think a year from now, no one will be talking about Sleeping Dogs the way we were just now talking about LA Noir. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, but see, we're talking about LA Noir negatively for the most part. Well, like, I- negatively for you but i i think ne- you remember things even if it's things that you think didn't work it did bold different things la noir did that you remember Absolutely. and if you didn't like them that's fine it's not for everyone i i think sleeping dogs is just going to be a forgettable entry into open world just run around and and you know drive cars and shoot guns and punch people in the face and a year from now there's going to be nothing left to be said about it uh whereas i think la noir there, there are conversation to have about that and about how it, it, it gave these these mysteries and it put you through the investigations and it put you through that thing that Owen is talking about. Uh, you know, to its credit, whatever problems you might have had with L.A. Noir, it was memorable. And my main problem, totally with, right. yeah, and my main problem with Sleeping Dogs, there's nothing to really sink your teeth into once you're done just punching people in the face. Uh. <laughs> but what's wrong with punching people in the face? I mean. I- <laughs> That's a very good. <laughs> and also, I really do think I, I, I'm kind of envious. It must look pretty nice. I mean, I did like their presentation of Hong Kong. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's not like the best looking thing ever, but yeah, it's it's definitely I can see the difference. Just looking through screenshots and stuff, it does it 1080p with all that stuff. Uh, yeah. So, uh, by the way, so that McMaster, you now have this month uh, two options to bed. Emma Stone, one of them in uh, in Sleeping Dogs, the other you can go see uh, Gangster Squad, which comes out this weekend. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll keep those both in mind. Uh, Emma Stone. Uh, all right, so uh, McMaster finally enjoying uh, Sleeping Dogs. Like, what was it? Four or five years after everyone else has played. Yeah, it. yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. Uh, see, I'm surprised you didn't like more of it because it does the stat tracking stuff too, like with uh, your friends. Because you love that kind of thing. Uh, I, you know what? If I were to go back into stat tracking in an open world game where I just can punch people in the face, it would totally be about Prototype Two. That's the one I would. Oh yeah, use. I've been playing that on the PC. Unfortunately, we can't really. Well, I guess that means that I beat you in every single category, then, huh? Yeah, the same for me though. I've got. That's true. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, so uh, there you go. Uh, let me uh, get to my game of the week real quick, and then I'm curious to hear about whatever uh, iPhone diddy uh, Owen is playing. Uh, my, my game of the week, uh, and here you go, Owen, you were saying you can't think of anything you want to play on a PS Vita. This is a Vita game that, um, love it or hate it, and I'm not sure where I am, I don't think there's anything quite like it, with maybe one exception that, that will that we'll maybe bring up in a moment. I'm playing something by a company called, I don't know how to say this, Chunsoft or Chunsoft. Uh, it's a Japanese developer that did the Dragon Quest games. Um, and they oh, made wow. a game for the, uh, the I think it was a DS game, called uh, 999 colon, Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors. This was what the game was called. It was originally retitled, it was then retitled to Zero Escape, colon, nine hours, nine persons, nine doors. I would see that. I would have no idea what it is or, or what I'm in for. Uh, this year, they released a sequel to it called uh, Zero Escape, colon, Virtue's Last Reward. I see that title. I'm like, what? I have no idea what it is. Is it a shooter? Is it a, a JRPG? Uh, who knows? Um, so real quick, let me ask, has either of you heard of Zero Escape? No. Okay. So I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. That's cheating. So actually, I would almost say, if you don't know what Zero Escape is, and you have any interest in adventure games, I say adventure games, but that just sounds sort of dispassionate. If you have any interest in storytelling in video games, I would almost recommend not reading anything about it. And I'm going to be kind of elliptical in talking about it. Uh for the most part, Zero Escape is just an adventure game. You, you, you come in, you play it, you have some dialogues, and every now and then there's puzzles, and there's more dialogue, and things happen, and there's a plot that unfolds. Um, what makes Zero Escape noteworthy is that as you're playing, you are moving along a branching structure based on the different choices. And it's very clear about that. You know, whenever you hit a branch, there's a contrivance in this game, which I'll tell you about in a second, that makes it clear that you are now making an irrevocable choice. You then make that choice, and you go through a few story nodes, maybe there's puzzles, and then you'll get to another branch. And at any time in the game, you can call up a visual of the branching structure. You can see where you are. You can see what story beats you have and have not seen. You can go back and revisit any of them. Um, so it's very open about here is this branching structure. You will get to the end of a branch and you will maybe die or escape or kill someone. You know, something dramatic will happen. Sometimes you'll get to the end of a branch and it'll say you can't progress any further until you get more information from another branch. So what's going on? Because it's basically a mystery. What's going on and who wants what and whose identity means different things to different people? All of that stuff is hidden at the beginning, and as you explore different branches, you discover this information. Um, so that's the overall structure of it. But what really hooked me in this game, and, what, and what's making, what's pulling me forward through it, is how little you know when you first start. Uh, Zero Escape begins as a complete mystery. I'm going to give you the, the, the setup and not tell you anything else. It, it's basically uh, the movie Saw, where you wake up and you're in a room with a stranger. You don't know who that is. You don't know why you're there. You don't know where you are. That's uh, like college. 
or it sounds like, yeah, depending on, on uh, yeah, certain evenings that you might have had, it could sound like a Saturday morning in your dorm. Uh, but what, what you do find out, I love the pacing as it's unfolding stuff, not only about where you are, but about stuff that's happening around the rest of the world. And what it reminds me of is Lost. And I hated Lost. I could not stand <laughs> Lost. I loathed that TV show. Uh, but it has that same sense of... Oh, whatever. You didn't loathe it until the end, I bet you. No, I hated it all along. I mean, I wouldn't dream of missing an episode, but I, I hated that thing. Uh, <laughs> That's a special kind yeah. of thing. It was <laughs> exactly. a torture. Yeah. It was a torture. Oh, God. But but like Lost, Zero Escape is, is all about... Uh, every answer reveals two more big questions, and the questions get bigger and bigger, and they even call into question things about the state of the world. Uh, they become very big questions, much more than questions about this little parlor room drama that is going on. Uh, so it's it's really paced well, and that's a that's a problem I routinely have with Japanese games. It's a very Japanese mm. design, but it, it's paced very well for a, for a Japanese game. I didn't feel like I had to play for six hours to get to the meat of it. Um, it has distinct characters, even though they are a bit too Japanese RPG for my taste. You know, there's the girl with pink hair. There's a guy in a robot suit. Uh, there's the the surly. Sounds like me and Sarah. I don't know what your problem is. And then also one of the things I really like about it is how the puzzles fit neatly in with the setting. And I don't even want to say what the setting is just because the setting on the first one was a a replica of the Titanic. And you had to figure out what was going on before it sank. And they do something kind of like that with this this sequel. Uh, So it's only on the Vita. It's an exclusive Vita game. Uh, It is, I think... From what I've seen, I've only been down a couple of the branches out of maybe ten of them. Uh, I think it's well written. I I am eager to play the other branches to to uncover the mystery, uh, and I'm really curious to see where it goes. And that's a lot more than I can say for most adventure games I play. Um, Tom, that sounds it sounds mechanically really different, but it sounds thematically a little like the world ends with you. Is that, is that fair to say? I don't remember. Was there branching structure stuff in the world? No, 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 no. Oh. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that, that, that oh. there's any of that. But sort of that, that sort of theme about you know where uh-huh. you're slowly unraveling the world and calling into question the existence of, of yes. everything around you. The the world ends with you. Uh, was much more. You know, I like this idea of you're exploring Tokyo and you're you've got this weird ghost perspective on the world. Uh, yeah, uh, there's definitely that kind of mystery and what's going on element to it yeah hmm. uh, by the way each puzzle that you do in uh in zero escape all the puzzles are, are basically you're trying to escape a room you get locked in a room by this i, I so it, it also has a unique take on the rogue ai trope which i'm really enjoying in an odd way but what happens is you get locked in a room and you have to finish a puzzle to get out of the room you can finish the puzzle at the basic level to just escape and move on. If you finish the puzzle at a kind of a gold level, like if you meet a certain challenge, you unlock all these different files about what's going on in the world. Um, so as I've only done a couple of those gold files, uh, it, it, it gradually spills a lot of information into your lap, uh, and you can kind of control how much of that information you want. Uh, that sounds really cool. Yeah. yeah how, long, how long till it comes out on iPad? I, maybe never because it is. It, it seems like it's one of these like Sony deals. Like Sony's got some deal with Chunsoft, oh, right. and uh, 
Yeah, like it just seems like an ex- Oh, you know what? It's it's a uh, Axis or Axis. Ax- yeah, it's Axis. Yeah. Oh yeah. Have yeah, they published yeah. anything on the iPad? I I don't I don't I don't, I don't think, think so. So, yeah. so this might so. be a, a Vita or nothing kind of a kind of a deal. Um, you know, it, it, it's taken me the entire episode to think of this, but didn't the sequels to Valkyria Chronicles only come out on Vita? Yes. Ah, PSP. Right? Oh, not Vita. It's just PSP. Oh, yeah, it was PSP. It's reg- regular PSP. Yeah. It was See, Valkyria I never Chronicles played those. But I, I never, I never played those, and I loved Valkyria Chronicles on PS3. If you, if you have a PS3, there's a way to trick your Vita into playing Valkyria Chronicles download style. But really? Yeah. Yeah. You can like download it to your PS3 via the PSP store, and then you can upload it to your Vita or PSP, whatever you have, and uh, play it that way. So there you go. Get your uh, Valkyrie Chronicles 2 on, because, man, Valkyrie Chronicles is awesome. Valkyrie Chronicles? I'm on Amazon looking at Vitas. Uh, oh, you missed the... So one of the only reasons I've got one is because there was, like, that $200 uh, Black Friday sale. Yeah. This totally sucked me and McMaster in. We were like, okay, two, and it was a bundle where you could get Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty. So, yeah. Oh, right. so you, guys, you guys just got your Vitas. You're, you're, oh, we're... You're fat, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're infatuated with your new toys. This is not reliable counsel. We are totally Johnny Come Latelys. Absolutely. <laughs> Owen. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, like, I still, I mean, I say, you know, it's been, what, two months, a month and a half. Uh, uh, I'm still finding, like, plenty of stuff I want to play. And even games that I, there's a couple of open world games on it that still have a lot of legs for me. Um Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it gets a lot of play at our household too. I mean, uh, I play, Sarah and I have both been playing a lot of Hot Shots Golf, and uh, she's been playing that Silent Hill Book of Memories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, it's a uh, it's really cool, really cool piece of hardware. Uh, so the and real quick, the thing that I, I haven't played, but I wonder if it's similar to, uh, is the Walking Dead adventure games. Uh, it, you know, that's one of the things I want to try, but I, I'm wondering, is Zero Escape like Walking Dead? That same appeal where, okay, I've got a branching storyline, I've got all these vivid characters, the choices I make are going to influence what happens to them, go. You know, I suspect Walking Dead probably feels like that for people. I, I, want, I want to be careful about what I say here, because I don't want to spoil anything about Walking Dead for you. Mm-hmm. But I think you will find that's not necessarily the case. Aha! <laughs> uh, I think that yeah, I, I understand. What you're saying. I haven't like finished it yet, but from what I've seen, you just basically get to choose which characters you bring with you in a lot of ways. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it, it is it is an absolutely worthwhile experience, but it doesn't branch all that much. Yeah, um, I guess like I say probably just your supporting cast really yeah. um, would be my guess of who <laughs> you get the option to save. Okay, so hold on, I'm going to use my rubber. To adjust my list of games Owen recommends, I'm putting Walking Dead... That's messy and horrifying. I'm putting it underneath... Uh, let's see, so it goes... It goes now Campus Life, Walking Dead, God of Blades, Oregon Trail. Okay, I've got that. Good. Uh, I'm looking at Campus Life right now. It's probably free to play. This is going to be my game of the week. <laughs> And you know, go ahead. Send me. Let's. Uh, we'll on Game Center. We'll compare our sororities and see whose sorority has the most. Uh, what do they have? Pink hearts or whatever. Oh my god! I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm looking at the screenshots now, and I'm not. I'm not going to be a poser and tell you that I went to lots of sorority houses, but I never saw one 
that looked like this. Well, you know, kids these days. Kids, that's true. <laughs> We're old now. Who knows? So, Owen, what then have you chosen as your game of the week? And am I right that it's an iPhone game? I mean, it is, but <laughs> it, it, it didn't need to be. I feel like I'm being pigeonholed here. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to change it at the last minute. I'll say the world of tanks or something. No, you uh, actually you established plenty of cred by the even though you didn't finish it uh, with how much you knew about L.A. Noir. So you're off the hook. All right, good deal. Okay, well, in that case, I'll, I'll retreat back to the safety of iOS games. Um, uh, so my game of the week, then, is is Bridge Constructor Playground. What? Hold, uh, hold on, hang on. Don't, don't, don't. Train simulator, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Bridge so, construct. I don't even believe that's a real thing, Owen. I swear to God it is. I think it's, I think it's made by, um, by Russians, hence the slightly odd. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, look. Just stick with me for a second. All right. So last year, there was a game called Bridge Constructor that came out for iOS. Bridge Constructor sucked me in for a solid two weeks. And it wasn't... Bridge Constructor was like an abusive stepdad of a game. Bridge Constructor challenged you to build a bridge. You know, it'd give you a a span, and it would give you different materials, wood or steel or concrete or suspension cables, and you had to build a bridge. But it also taught you absolutely zero about physics or engineering or nothing, absolutely nothing. So it was like putting a caveman in front of a radio. That's what Bridge Constructor was. But I loved it anyway. I just kind of beat my head against it. Uh, and, And... did I actually learn anything worthwhile about physics? I have no idea. Like, you, you probably wouldn't want me to make a bridge. Um, but th- So then <laughs> Bridge Constructor Playground came out, I think, just this last week. And so I think somebody at the developer's, um, developer's office got the memo that the original Bridge Constructor was super masochistic and way too hard, and only actual civil engineers could play the freaking game. So there's this new one that it goes from being an abusive stepdad as bridge constructor to like a super permissive stepdad bridge constructor playground, which lets you do whatever you want. Like it's actually with the new one, it is impossible to fail a level. Basically, like you can make a bridge that, you know, all the trucks go off it into a flaming wreck and you'll still get a medal somehow. (laughs) Um, but and once again, I, you know, I, I could sit here and, and tell you all of the flaws in the game and, and how badly thought out it is and how kind of ridiculous. It still doesn't teach you anything, right? Like the one thing the bridge instructor needed to do was explain how does an arch work? How does a suspension bridge work? Why does this bridge stay up and that bridge doesn't? It doesn't do any of that stuff, but I love it for some reason. Uh, it's a terrible game. <laughs> but Wait a I, re- I recommend it very highly anyway. Uh, what sort of metagame is there then? Or I say metagame, like what sort of structure does it have? If if I can just have trucks drive off a flaming bridge, I mean, are there challenges? Are there reasons to build things? There are challenges, and this is another thing that Bridge Constructor Playground added that the original one didn't, where so there'll be different challenges, and it'll, it'll you know, you, you are free if you want to make a bridge out of any materials you please, but uh, to get certain metals, you'll have to build a bridge under a certain budget, because every component costs ah. a certain credits, right? Or build a bridge using only these materials, and they'll be, once you get good at it, you'll see that some bridge setups have, like, an obvious, you know, there's an obvious way to build this bridge, and the challenges will ask you to build them in a non-obvious sort of way. So getting the medals and, and, and playing the metagame is actually what makes it a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, McMaster, let's you and I play Bridge Constructor. All right. And when we play, I'm going to need you to go over to that shed and get me out the uh, board stretcher. Are we, uh, are we like, talking about, like, Bridge, the card game? Are you trying to slip me clues? Like, <laughs> I've got, like, 16 shovels in the background. You know, shovels <laughs> are like spades. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Or, uh, McMaster, I mean, actually, what do you... Are you, what are you, like, like 65 what, bridge with cards? Nobody does that. Yeah, what are you, old yeah, <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, wow, all right, bridge constructor playground <laughs> made by Russians. You admit it's an awful game, and you love it. Yes, that's exactly right. I do love that. I feel that, uh, I, like, I love those kind of guilty pleasures, but that's, one, that's a great way to get to know someone, is ask them, What's an awful movie slash game slash book that you love? Uh, so, oh, and I find that very revealing about you. Well, look, if you want, you can have me back on the QT3 movie podcast, and I'll tell you about why I love The Happening. Uh, you know what? You don't, you, I mean, that. You, I would have that conversation with you anyway, because I don't know that I love it, but I, I'm fascinated by that movie. I don't, I don't hate it like everyone does. Because oh, yeah. Where, where do you stand on M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening? I stopped watching before that. <laughs> so you haven't seen it? <laughs> no, no. I think The Village was the last one for me. I think I was like, okay. The Done. Village was I... The Village was awesome. Mm, I'm not going to go there with you, Owen, but I will say <laughs> that I, I think The Happening is a great uh, script. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think I think The Happening. I think The Happening is one of the most poorly understood films of of recent times. All right, just for that, I am putting Bridge Constructor Playground on this list here, and I'm moving it above Campus Life. Oh, thank goodness. Oh. <laughs> life. Uh, all right, that's quite a, that's quite an interesting spread of uh, uh, games of the week this week. Um, so, Owen, what uh, what are you looking forward to? Actually, I know you, you wrote something about this. Um, what are you looking forward to this year on the iOS? Can, can you give us a couple of prominent titles that should make people excited about having iPads or iPhones? Yeah, well, I mean, we just, like you said, we just wrote about me and, and, and the other guys that I've, I've roped into writing for this site. Uh, we, just, we just did our most anticipated titles um, yesterday. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff. Um, if you are, uh, if, if you're big into strategy games and, and you love war games the way I do, uh, Panzer Corps, which Slytherine made a couple of years ago for the PC, is coming to iOS, to iPad, um, oh. in Q1 or Q2. That's, that's gonna be a brilliant game on iPad. The controls that's like the remake simple. of, uh, Panzer Jump. Panzer Jump. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Yeah, I never played it on the PC. I need to get it on the iPad. Oh, it's going to be great on iPad. Um, well, I, I, I hope it will. Has but, Slytherin yeah, I, I, done I any uh, iPad uh, iOS games before? Is this their first? No, no, they've done a couple. They did uh, they did Battle Academy last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. Once again, I'm overlooking Battle Academy. Right, yeah. right. They did Battle Academy. They did uh, a casual um, sort of risk-like game called Conquest, I think, that I didn't like too much. Mm -hmm. But Battle Academy kind of washes away all sins. That game's pretty great. Um, and yeah, Panzer Corps is coming out this year. That's going to be, I, I, I have high hopes for it. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Um, we're, we're in a post battle of the bulge world now where everything will be judged against that. So <laughs> that's a good point, right? <laughs> yeah. But I have high hopes. Um, there's also Shadowrun. That, oh yeah, yeah. The, I saw that. Yeah. Shadowrun return or what? Yeah. Go ahead. What is this? Well, this was, I mean, 
these guys got funded last year at the beginning of the year when everybody was still super huge in the Kickstarter. Right, right. Back when everybody's wallet was just wide open and money was flying out everywhere into Kickstarter. So, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this this I have. I have fond, like, emotional memories of the Super NES Shadowrun that actually outstrip what I actually remember about playing the game, <laughs> right? Like, I have, I have, like, a really fuzzy nostalgia about it, but I can't tell you anything about how the game actually played. So, but a lot of the guys on my staff are really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, we could probably expect, uh, I, was, I was talking to the devs behind Battle of the Bulge, we can probably expect another game from them this year. And it's probably going to be El Alamein. Oh, it is going to be El Alamein. I mean, that's the one I'm looking at. I, I love the North African theater. I'm a, I'm a huge... Uh, it's kind of weird, but I, I think I'm a huge fan of that part of World War II. It's my, fav- it's, it's my favorite theater in World War II. It's North it's, Africa. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of Rommel. Yeah, I love that whole thing. I mean, Rommel, Rommel's the Nazi you can like. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you can still kind of like Manstein, too. It's okay. You can like Carl Donitz, the admiral of the... Oh, yeah, yeah, Donitz, yeah. He's okay. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't into Nazism, really. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There, there's a few. There's, they're not all bad apples. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, that, all right, let's get, let's get away from not, this topic. Oh, Tom, Tom Chick, the quote machine. <laughs> that was the worst thing. That was all the second worst thing to happen in 2001. Oh, oh God. Uh, all right, so, yeah, go ahead. I don't, want to, I don't want to ramble out, but there's also, um, there's also Space Hulk coming out for, for Oh, us. yeah. And, uh, and Julian Gollop. As in XCOM Julian Gollop and Laser Squad Julian Gollop, he's got he's gone solo recently, and he's making a remake of an old old game of his that I never played actually because I was like toilet training when it came out. But uh, a game called Chaos, and he's making a a remake of it for iOS called Chaos Reborn. It's going to be asynchronous multiplayer, big strategy game. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I know a lot about Chaos, but Julian Gollop, I'll buy his sight unseen. So. Yeah, I, I love uh, when the iPad is used to sort of resurrect these older games. It's a great format for that as well. Uh, not me. Uh, that kind of no, McMaster. Not that <laughs> also, not that bad. Monopoly? Please. It's, yeah. it's the worst game ever. Monopoly's terrible. Oh, yeah. oh I hate Monopoly. Oh. Is, there, is there a Monopoly on the iPad that I can play? Oh, there, God, I'm I mean, sure there is. I'm sure there is. Not, it's probably by EA. And it's probably all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, McMaster, when we play Monopoly, I need you to be the iron, and I'm going to be the battleship. Oh. That's fine. <laughs> and actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, all the games that I brought up are pretty old games. Uh, there's also a non-zero chance that we're going to get FTL on the iPad at some point. The devs... I've. The devs have made noises about wanting to do that, and um, that would be pretty fantastic. Because FTL, I think, yeah. was maybe the best game full stop last year, and we're definitely getting Frozen Synapse. Uh, also, wasn't there supposed wasn't Capcom supposed to release a uh, like Phoenix Wright? I mean, not that that's you know a hardcore Phoenix, strategy game. Phoenix Wright came out, I think, for iOS, didn't it? I mean, I thought they were like re-releasing it for the iPad or something like that, like an HD version. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, think that was it works. I'd be, I'd be lying if I told you I knew a lot about that. Yeah, no, I just kind of seemed like something that they might do after Ghost Trick did pretty well for them. Mm-hmm. All right, so, oh, good. so so it's safe to assume the uh, the uh, iOS is not a a dead platform. 
No, I think it's <laughs> oh, no. this. This is if you don't have an iPad, I think this is the year to get one. Absolutely. Uh, all right, good. Well, uh, Owen, I uh, I thank you for hanging out with us today. Um, I, I recommend. Thanks for being here, and I, I recommend that you play a little Campus Life to get your uh, Game Center score higher than McMaster's. You're only 400 points behind him. Uh, just build a nice sorority house. You should be able to pass him easily. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, I'm not going to invite McMaster to my sorority house, unfortunately. Sorry, sorry, Jason. Oh, sweet Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's a zero-sum game, man. Yeah, I know, I know. It's cold in the D. McMaster, maybe, maybe we'll let you pledge next year. That's pretty cool. Um, that's pretty cool. All right. Well, everyone listening, thank you so much for uh, joining us this week. Uh, we will be back next week. McMaster, what are we going to do for folks next week? Uh, we're going to talk about news and games. Oh, and before we go, let me say uh, I'll be on the game-wisdom.com podcast this week, either Wednesday or Thursday. So check it out. Good. Uh, and then we will also be back next week. We look forward to speaking with you then. Uh, and Owen, Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thanks, guys. You play this when you're, like, playing your Sarah Palin-looking characters? Is this, like, playing in the background? No, now, come on. When you're in the dressing room? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, he doesn't dress like... I don't think. Do you really not know why I picked this? I thought no, this was a pretty... No, of course I know why. It's a, it's a pocket. Yeah, it's a slam Exactly. Down. Thank you. But, Thank you. Uh, but I just I just imagined you, like, dressing your character in the secret world. This is, like, playing in the background. Maybe something like Jamie Gum. <laughs> no, why, are you, why are you calling out the pretenders for that weird stuff? <laughs> I think it is... This is next. <laughs> sorry, oh, sorry, go ahead. I don't know. I think of this is that the video with Chrissy Hines is the waitress. Like, I remember that yeah. being a part of my childhood, like how sexy she was in that video. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember that. Every I, It's a very, very outstanding video. So wait a minute, McMaster. What's a song then that has the word pocket or tactics in the name? Oof. Uh, I've got <laughs> something in my front pocket for you from South Park. That's one. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I want to play that for Owen. That would be sending a weird message. Uh, I, I, I well, by the way, Owen, are you related to the guy who invented that cage? No. In fact, this is a pen name. Are you serious? Yep. Bum, you're not bum, serious. Bum, bum. No. No, I'm serious. I, because you're a big fan of Lost and you liked that uh, Jeremy Davies character in Lost. You know, kind of like Ellie Noir. I only got to season four in Lost. You're, you're, you, you yeah. definitely got the better deal there, Owen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't hang. I couldn't hang with it anymore. You, you know no, what? It, you, you did the right thing. You did the right thing, Owen. Sometimes, so. Owen, with no, you need. No, go to, ahead, if go you're ahead. in an abusive, if, if you're in an abusive relationship, you need to leave it. And that's something that I didn't know when I was watching Lost. That's what the X Files taught. Me. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I Very left good. the X Files. I think everybody did. I didn't leave the X-Files. I stuck that out to the bitter oh. end. Hey. Oh. Terminator 2 was in it. I mean, I, I, I was young. I was forgiven. Oh. Yeah, but at more. least, Owen, you didn't... At least you didn't see the movies, right? What, the X-Files movie? I saw the first one. I saw the first one. Oh. I saw the first one. Oh, Everybody saw the first one. Scully and Mulder were going to make out. Everybody saw it. Yeah, yeah, you guys. <laughs>